Glad to see you, especially if you're visiting with us. Thanks for being here. I know there's a lot of junk going on in our lives. Um, I'm just glad you're here. My son Reese um, and I have a incredible relationship, but it's a it's sometimes kind of tumultuous. We we butt heads a little bit. Sometimes he he doesn't make the best choices, and sometimes I don't make the best choices either as dad. And then we kind of our heads butt, but. There is this moment with Reese, he is so intuitive for as little as he is, where if my day is really bad or if things are really rough in my life, he'll, he'll just, he just knows. He, I don't know how he knows. And um, he's usually, it doesn't, it doesn't change his behavior that much at first. Um, he still can be a little snot sometimes. But um, when it comes to the end of the day, it, when he gets tired and when the, the end of the night kind of comes, especially if I've had a bad day or a rough time, or I'm tired, he'll just come and he just, there's just something about it, he'll just take his little hand and just put it on me, you know, just like, just his, just his little hand on my shoulder, or sometimes he puts it on my head, which drives me nuts, or, you know, sometimes he'll climb on me, and when we, um, when we eat dinner every night, um, especially when I'm out of town, I, I just, I think about this all the time, but when we eat dinner, some of you have eaten dinner with us, and, and I'm apologizing for this right now, you've seen it, he cannot eat dinner without climbing on me afterwards. And it, it used to be one of those things where I'd have to stop him, you know. And when, if we go out someplace, we do, he doesn't do it. But, you know, he just climbs. He, as soon as he's done eating and I'm done eating, he just gets on my shoulders and he just hugs my head. And he just, and there's this moment with him that, uh, that I just need. I just need this moment of, of interaction with Reese. And um, he's an, an amazing piece in my life, but he'll, he'll hug my head, and every now and then I'll look over at Risha, and we'll kind of look at each other like, we should probably nip this, you know, we should probably stop this, and my idea is, if he's 13 and he's still doing it, then we'll talk, okay, <laughs> but, but at some point, it's going to go away, I assume, and, and there's just, I guess I bring it up today, I, I didn't plan to say it, but I bring it up today, because there is something about just being with him, and him with me, if he's a mess, Things are messed up in his life, and his little life, it seems like little things, but it's big to him. Um, then he just wants to be by me, and if I'm, my life is messed up, it's good for him to be by me. And so whatever you brought in today, if your life's a mess, you've come to the right place. Because this is what God wants most from your life. I, I, know, I, know, what you, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that what God wants most from your life is for you to behave. It's for you to make the right choices. It's for you to do the right thing. But the church has told you the wrong thing. Preachers have told you the wrong thing because that's not what God wants most for your life. What God wants most for your life is for you to be where he is and for him to be where you are, especially when life is hard. Now, what that does is it makes you want to make the right choices in your life. And the reason God wants you to make the right choices is because he doesn't want you to end up in so much junk in your life. But the truth is what he wants most for you is just to be where he is and for you to be where where he is today. So before we get started today, anything else that's in your mind today about church, about God, anything else that's in your mind about your life, I want to kind of let you just put away this morning. Now, you're going to pick it up and you can't actually put it away. It, life is there. Your bills have to be paid. The messes are around us. But if you can just, like I get with Reese, just have this moment with God today where you can just get perspective on your life. You can get a reminder um, that he's in charge then I think we can listen better this morning and we can make it on through the week. So give you a chance to do that this morning while I pray. If you're, if you're not sure you believe all this stuff, you're still in the right place. 
Um, there's some of you listening online, I know, that are kind of kicking the tires, trying to decide what's real. You're still in the right place, even if you're not sure you believe this stuff, because the things that we're saying today um, are life, um, and uh, you'll, you'll see that this morning. And if you just kind of, if you take a deep breath this morning, you'll be surprised at what God does to you and with you. So let's, let's take that deep breath, and uh, then we'll get started. God, thanks for the way you love us. I know there are those in the room today who have a hard time praying, have a hard time thinking of you, and even have a hard time thanking you for anything because of the stuff that's going on in their lives. God, would you, would you take an opportunity today to just calm the hearts of those who are here? God, we so badly need perspective on our life. Everyone in this room is in the midst of some sort of transition or of choice. Would you give us perspective today so that we can move in the right direction? And we'll listen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're at the very last Sunday of, of a series called The Question. That, that answers just about everything. And truthfully, I usually am really ready for a sermon series to be over. Um, I get tired of the same topic. But this one has surfaced so many questions in my life um, that I'm kind of sad to see this series go a little bit. And I kinda, I'm going to hit you today um, with, with a charge, with, a, with a, something to think about when it comes to this today. And I'm and, um, very excited about some of the ways God has moved um, over the last few weeks as we've been studying this and some of you um, and I'm hoping that it kind of comes to a head today. But as, as we talked about this question, if you're, if you're visiting with us or if you haven't heard the other two sermons, they are available out on the website. Um, but you don't have to hear them today to know that what we've been talking about is a question that we believe God wants you to answer in your life all the time. If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, if you believe in God, if you don't believe in God, if you're going through an awful time or you're not going through an awful time, whatever the, whatever the situation your life is in, we believe that this question, if you ask this question, of every invitation, every opportunity, and every decision in your life, it will save you money, time, and potentially tears in your life. I, uh, I debated on whether or not to say this today, but um, you, you know me well, um, and uh, I thought it might help you where you are today. Um, I remember the day that I realized my marriage, my first marriage, was over, and it was on my honeymoon. <laughs> um, I realized that when I, I rolled over one day on my honeymoon and I thought, I can't imagine the rest of my life with this, with this person. I knew she didn't really like me, <laughs> which was interesting. And I wasn't sure I totally liked her that much, <laughs> looking back. And I remember s sitting in that room thinking, how did I get here? And I really didn't know that that would be the end of my marriage, but I just had a feeling, and as I look back on it, I, I know that that's the day I realized it. But I, I also remember standing in the hallway in college with one of my best friends. I said, I'm going to ask this girl to marry me. And he said, you know, what normally happens when somebody says that is, congratulations. He said, no, you're not. <laughs> I said, no, 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 I am. Here's, I got the ring. He's like, no, you're not going to do that. I can't, I can't let you do that. I said, well, what? 
you can't stop me. I got the ring, and then I got into this boy mode, you know, of, oh, well, I am too, and, you know, and, and he said, no, no, you can't, and we argued for two, three days, and she never knew that. Then I called my best friend from high school, who's still one of my good friends, and said, I want you to be in my wedding, and he said, no, not if you're marrying her. Like, what? And we'd had these discussions, and I, I did it anyway. I had people in my life, I had my conversations with my mom and dad where they said, you know, what's going on here, and are you sure, and is this right, and you know, they, they never got to a point where they said, you shouldn't do this because, you know, you, they thought they might have to deal with this thing, you know, you know how that goes, but I knew, I knew deep in my, me that the people around me, the people that were closest to me, the people who knew me best, and who had my best interest at heart, didn't think this was a good idea, but here's what I said to myself, well, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not illegal. It's not immoral. But you know what I never ask? I never ask the question we've been talking about. I never ask the question, is it wise? There was nothing wrong with it. There was nothing bad about it. The people in my life around me that God had put in my life to love me most, all of them had a worry about this situation. All of them had given me hints, and I had ignored all of them for various reasons in my life. I driving this sermon and this sermon series this week because I see it in some of you. That same spirit I had is in some of you today. You know, you, you, you rationalize, you start to say things like, well, there's nothing wrong, it's not illegal, it's not, and the question is not whether it's legal or whether it's right or wrong. That, there's a better question. The better question, the best question you may be able to ask yourself is this. In light of my past experience, in light of my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? Now, what is the right thing for me to do? Because right and wrong isn't always the best question. Sometimes it can be not, there'd be nothing wrong with it, but it's just not wise. Sometimes there, it could be legal, but it's just not wise. Sometimes, based on your past experience, your current circumstances, and your hopes and dreams, what may be wise for somebody else is not wise for you. If you can begin to ask this question, my, my dream, and this is, you know, this is the naive preacher talking, I know. But my dream is that 10 years from now, some of you would be sitting around the table getting ready to buy a new house, maybe getting ready to make a major life change, and you would ask this question. Remember what the preacher said that God wants, the question God wants us to ask? The question is not, is it, is it right or wrong? Hopefully you're answering that question on a regular basis. The question is not, is it legal or not? The question isn't even, does it seem like the right thing? The question is, is it wise for us to make this decision? And, and we know what happens. We know what happens when we ignore the people around us and we ignore God when it comes to these things in our life. So the question we've been asking over the last couple days, or last couple weeks, is in light of my past experience, in light of my current circumstances, I got, a, I got a friend who I actually, um, I performed the ceremony two weeks ago at their wedding. Really great people. Wedding was a blast. It was so much fun. Both my kids and my wife had big parts in it. It was like, a, if there was a problem at this wedding, it was probably a Mitchell's fault, you know? It was like, we were all just entangled in this wedding, and it was awesome. And they, they got back from their honeymoon, and um, I started seeing on Facebook, you know, comments from his friends. And good kids, I mean really good friends that he's got, really good guys that want the best for him, but saying, hey man, when are, you, when, when are we going camping? Hey man, when are we going to play golf? Hey man, when are we going to do this? And I can see it on his Facebook, and there is this thing coming with him. There is an issue coming with this guy. 
He's young, he's got all these friends, and he's been a bachelor long enough that he's developed a, a system in his life. And now that he is married, his buddies are going to say to him, let's go camping next weekend. And the question is not, is it okay, is it wrong, is it wrong to go camping? No. It, it, is, it, is it something you've done in the past? All the time. I used to camp all the time and it was great with my buddies. But now, based on my current circumstances, not a good idea for me to leave my brand new wife for a weekend and do the things that I've done before. And I know this is coming from him. And the problem is, if all we do is just ask what used to be good, if we just ask what's right, or what's right for my buddies, or what's the right situation, then you're going to find yourself one little step at a time, moving towards something that you would have never believed you would find yourself in. It, it goes like this. It's, it's the lonely man at work. You've heard this story a million times. The, the the lonely man at work whose marriage is broken, not going great at home, and there's a girl that sits across from him who's single, and they've had a friendship for a couple years, and somebody finally says to him, hey man, this thing with you and this girl across the way, what is that? He goes, hey, it's a friend. Can a guy not have a friend? Is there anything wrong with a, a, single ma- with a married man having a friendship with a single woman? And the answer probably is no, there's not a, anything wrong with it at that point. And so, and so you answer the question, no, there's nothing wrong with the friendship. And then, then the next question is, well, you know, we've got to go to lunch, right? You have to eat. And, you know, she has to eat too. So is there anything wrong with two people going to, well, you know, the, the issue is not is it right or wrong. And the next thing you know, a year down the road, you find yourself in circumstances, and you've all done this and have family who have done this. You find yourself in a place you would have never dreamed you would be, living a life that you could never imagine for yourself. And it's because we have not stopped to ask this question from the very beginning. So I love you enough to begin to ask this to each other. We've had a lot of experience and a lot of time um, over the last couple weeks on Facebook and that kind of thing too. But if you, if you haven't heard these sermons over the last couple of weeks, please go back and listen to them because they're going to kind of build as we go through the end of the year. And, and today I wanted to show you a couple pieces of what I would consider to be masterpieces. Um, this is my daughter's drawing. Um, this is London. Um, and if anybody wants to buy this, um, I can, uh, we can make a deal. Um, this is one of my favorite drawings ever that London has done. Um, this was uh, December of 2013. I have this drawer where I put all this stuff, you know. Um, it doesn't go on the refrigerator because, you know, it, it does look kind of funny. But, um, but we do put it in a drawer, and R- London just loves art. And, you know, I, I, I do creative work um, for a living, and so w- the older she gets, the more I get excited about her art. And the problem is, well, she's, she's good creatively, but not so good with the pen and the pencil and the paintbrush. And she got that from her dad, I'm afraid. I, I'm, I love creativity and I'm a creative person. Just don't ask me to draw. And this is what my drawing would probably look like today if you asked me to draw my family. This is, this is London's drawing um, in December. I, I don't know, all of us, that's mom, London, dad, and Reese. We all seem to be doing some sort of dance. And uh, I don't know, we're all in sync except for Reese. He's going the other direction, which is about right. You know, she, she's got that right symbolic. So this is, a, this is a picture that's pretty typical of the way London um, has drawn. And I, I'm going to explain to you why I'm showing you this in a minute. The next slide, you'll see another one. This is a drawing uh, or a painting that she did um, at, at school. And, um, well, I love her a lot. But I don't know what that is. I, I still don't know what that is. And, and there's a sense that she's very creative. She came home and she was so excited to show me this painting. And I, I, what I should have said was, oh, my goodness, that's amazing. I see the trees and I see the birds and I see the... 
And I said, London, is that broccoli? <laughs> you should never guess at what it is. She was de- devastated that I thought that was broccoli that she had drawn there. And then the, the next one um, is uh, she has her dad's knack for spelling, as you can see. Um, Top Hat Castle. She drew this, this, uh, this dragon. And the, the deal is she, she's a good artist in, in terms of in her brain, you know. In, in her brain, she's a good artist. But, but she just, you know, she, she's not great. Um, she's not a savant in some way, like, you know, we all think our kids are going to be. And, and the, so one day, you, would, you can imagine my surprise when I normally get these. I get a whole stack of these. Dad, look at this. Dad, look at this. Dad, look at this. I get them all the time. And they all look about this level. And I think they're masterpieces, and you couldn't pry them out of my hands. But they are kind of just, you know, status quo when it comes to art. And then I came home one day, and she said, Dad, look at the latest piece I did. And check this out. Whoa! My first thought was, oh my goodness, she has all of a sudden had a savant moment, and she has become a genius. How can a third grader do this? How can a second grader, she was a second grader when she did this, how can she do this? I was absolutely blown away. I didn't have to guess what was on there. I didn't have to, I didn't have to fake it. I was blown away by this. And then I found out that she had a little help for this one. See, that she had a lot of help. Because first of all, it came with a template. Uh, some master artist at some point had created a template for her to do this, and then her mom helped her with the rest. <laughs> and so it, it looks like this. And, and here's, here's where I'm going here today. Partially, I want you to see the artwork of my daughter. But that's not the reason I'm going here. I want you to see that in this next slide. When it comes to your life, your life is, a, is basically a canvas. I want you to think of your life today as a canvas. It's this big canvas that you've been given in your life, a blank canvas when you were born. It's not blank today. There's stuff all over your canvas, stuff you've drawn, stuff you've written, things that are unrecognizable. If I, if I were to look at your canvas right now, I might go, there's some broccoli over there. And you would go, no, that's my attempt at college and it failed, or that's my attempt at, at that, that relationship and it, it's a mess and someday it might become more good. But, and we have this big canvas in our life. And it's, it, now you don't have lots of canvases. It's not like you can say, well, I have a canvas that I had when I was in my teens, and if you go look in the attic, I put that away. Nobody wants to see that. No, this, it's one canvas, and you keep adding to it. You keep drawing to it. And here's the thing. God, from the beginning of time, intended for you to paint on your canvas, for you to write the story, for you to paint the picture of your life while it's on here, on earth. But he intends, much like London had help, he intends to help you guide your paintbrush, to help you, the master wants to help you guide your life and to move you into the places that you want to be. So at the end of your life, which we all will have, at the end of your life, when your canvas is on display for everyone that you love to see, it'll look like you want it to look. It'll be where you want it to be. It'll be what you intend for it to be from the beginning. And here's the problem. The one on the left is the picture that London got help with And that's the result of intervention. That's the result of a master having a big plan, somebody who's really good, who knows how to do this, helping London. So you get to see her creativity and the colors she wanted. It's not just that plan. It's it's London's. And and then on the other side, it's it's, it's the result of all by myself. It's the result of, you know what, I'm going to do this all by myself. And here's where the illustration breaks down. This is cute. But if you try to do your life by yourself, without allowing the master painter to assist you, 
that the mess that you make of your canvas isn't cute. See, the thing is, abstract art is neat, but an abstract marriage is just broken. Abstract art is, sells well and it's interesting, but an abstract life is not what you want. So as we've gone through this series, really the, the question is, are, are you willing to let the master help you paint your canvas? Or are you going to be one of those all-by-myself kinds of people? And here's what I've found out in my life. This is what I've found out, and I, you may disagree with me. This may make you really mad. This is just my experience as a preacher. My experience is that all-by-myself only lasts so long. It only lasts so long for you to say, I can do this, I can do this, I don't need God, I don't need people, I don't need friends, I don't need anything, all I need is me. That only lasts so long until something finally breaks, and it's usually a life circumstance, until something finally happens, and when it finally happens and you decide, maybe I can't paint this picture myself, your picture is such a mess that it can't be what you hoped it would be. Even if the master takes over. And now I'm not talking about forgiveness. There's always forgiveness available. There's always hope for that available with God. But there are some things in your life that if you don't start to take control of, and if you don't start to say, God, I need your help with this, you'll be in a place where as a preacher, I can't help you. Do you know how many times I've prayed with somebody? And as I prayed with them, in my mind I've thought, they can't have what they want. <laughs> Because they've destroyed their marriage at such, to such a high level, there is no chance they're going to get this marriage back. I can pray with them, I can love them, they can get forgiveness, they can, but they can't ever have the kind of relationship with their daughter, with their son, with their wife, with their mom that they want because they have ruined it by taking the paintbrush themselves and saying, I'll do it all by myself with their canvas. What God wants most from you, more than behaving, because that comes when you start to allow him to do this. More than going to church, more than any of the things that maybe preachers have made you feel like that God wants from you, what he wants most from you is for you to paint the picture that he intended for you to paint, but for you to allow him to help, to guide your hand as you paint it. Now here's the thing, to make wise decisions, allowing God to, to influence these parts of your life, in any arena in life requires two things, and now you got to follow me here. In any arena in life, requires two things. It requires the understanding of and the submission to the principles and rules that guide that arena. Here's what I mean by this. My, uh, I, I coached basketball last year for my son, and um, it was, um, well, I won't do it again, I can tell you that. I, I loved it. I'm glad I did it, but it was a lot of work, and it was very stressful. But I know a lot about basketball. I played basketball my whole life. I know I watch. I know a lot about basketball, and so it was no problem because I know the rules of basketball. I know the principles of basketball, and I can go and, as a coach, I can go and make decisions based on the rules that I know and the principles that I know about basketball. And the decisions I make, I still have to make decisions. I still have to know what to do and tell the kids what to do, and I have to be in the right place. And in the long run, my job as a coach is not to just make up something for the kids. It's to leverage the rules and the principles that I know about basketball, and then make a decision. Now, this year, I was asked to coach soccer. Do you know what a mess it would be if I were going to coach soccer? I've never played soccer in my life. I kicked a ball once accidentally. It was a basketball. But I, I, don't, I don't kick a ball, and I don't know how to play soccer. So if I was going to go out and coach, I would be an absolute mess. I would have no basis on which to make my decisions. They would say, hey, John, um, who do you want on offense? And I would say, uh, what is... What is offense in soccer? Isn't it all just kicking the ball? Because I don't know. 
So I would make these terrible decisions. It's in any arena of life, we have to leverage the principles and the rules that guide that arena. Look at these guys. You've got an architect on the left. You've got these architects who memorize, who understand the codes and the principles of architecture. And when they go out and build a building, they have to use the rules and they have to understand the principles of architecture in order to build a building. The guy in the middle is a doctor. Your doctor doesn't ever, doesn't ever come to you and go, well, let's, uh, let's see if we can find your heartbeat today. Let's see if we can find your pulse. Um, let's start on your back and let's just work our way. He knows exactly where to go to find your pulse. He knows exactly, when you say, here's something that's hurting me, he knows because he's using the guidelines and the principles that involve his arena of life to make the decision. He still has to make a decision. Are we going to do surgery? Am I going to give him this medicine? What are we going to do next? But those decisions are based on the principles and the guidelines of his arena. And the last one, my favorite, is the pilot. Pilot has to make a decision. But all of his decisions are based on the principles and the guidelines that involve his arena. Here's the thing. In your life, in your life, you have to make decisions. And truthfully, as a dad, I look at my kids and I think, boy, I wish they didn't. <laughs> I wish I could make the decisions or I wish God would just push a button and they would go. But that's not the way God created because that's not what love is and that's not freedom. You have to make decisions in your life. But if you want to make wise decisions, now if you're, if you're listening to this today and you go, you know what, I, this wise talk is ridiculous. I don't care about wise. I'm just living till Friday. I get paid Friday, and then once that money's gone, I'll think about the next thing. If you're just living like that, then we don't have anything to talk about today. Because here's the thing. Here's what you need to know. If you don't care about this wise thing, if you don't care about asking this question, what is wise, here's what you need to know about yourself, okay? You don't have to, you don't have to listen to the rest of my sermon, but here's what you need to know about yourself. If you don't care about what's wise, you don't have your best interest for your future in mind. And that's a very important thing for you to know. Because as you make decisions, you're going to walk down the wrong path to where you want to be. But if today you go, you know what, I, I love my family, I, love, I, I have hopes and dreams for my life, then you need to, much like these three professionals do, in your life there are principles and there are rules of, that guide the universe. One of the things I love um, about the older I get and the more I learn about the, the world around me is that God has allowed us to leverage the things that he's built you know, even those who don't believe in God and, and kind of reject God, they use all the things God's built on a daily basis. Oxygen. God built this system. And you breathe it in and out. You leverage it. Gravity. God built this thing all the time. And he built this and you use it all the time. You leverage it. The whole deal here is that there are rules about life that God created from the beginning. And your job, as you go and paint your picture, is, is to allow him to guide you and to learn about the guidelines and the principles for life. It's to ask the question, what is the wise thing to do based on the principles? Now check it out. One more slide there, Tanya, sorry. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. This is a guy named Solomon that wrote this. Wisest guy who ever lived. Incredible guy. And I, I read, um, I love to read biographies and I love to watch biographies. I'm getting old, I know. That's a really old person thing to do. I love to read biographies of interesting people. Um, and if they had a biography of Solomon, this could be one of the best-selling biographies ever because he was a writer, a really good writer, the best writer of his time, possibly. He was an incredible musician, could play every instrument that was known to man at that point. Incredible musician. He was an architect. He built buildings like crazy. People would come to, from other countries and give him gold in order to get his advice because he was so smart. He made incredible decisions in his life over and over, and he wrote this book of Proverbs to kind of kind of give us an understanding of, of what wisdom is and, and some amazing epiphanies from him. And he starts in, in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, this way. He says, The fear of the Lord 
is the beginning of wisdom. Now, you might have heard um, your grandmother or your great-grandmother say the fear of the Lord, that I'm going to put the fear of God in him. Have you heard that phrase? I'm going to put the fear of God in him. And you might have literally thought that it meant you were scared of God. <laughs> but what this means is, is not a fear of the Lord like you scare God. What it means is literally this. In the original language, it, it sounds like something like, like this. When you wake up in the morning, you know that you aren't ultimately in charge. The fear of the Lord is knowing that in the long run, God, the one who created all of the things that are around us, the fear of the Lord is knowing that he's the one that allows you to take another breath right now. He's the one that's ultimately in charge. If you have the fear of the Lord in your life, it's not that you're scared of God. That's not the issue. The issue is you know who's in charge. You know that he's in charge. So Solomon says the very first, all of wisdom, if you want to make a wise choice, the very first thing you need to remember is that God is in charge. In the long run, he's in charge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, this is a little bit harder to understand. In the original language, it's, it's this thought that, that God has created all these things for you to leverage. You know what's interesting is when you go get on a plane, I fly a lot, and when you go get on an airplane, the pilot never has to check the gravity. He never has to look at it and go, what, what level of gravity is the air have today? He just knows that God has created this world where gravity does the same thing every time he gets in it. So he gets in the airplane, and it, it affects the airplane every time, every way. And he just leverages the things that God has already created. If you, the longer you live in your life, the more you're going to start to, say, to, to see that science and religion are not competing. The older you get as a Christian, you're going to realize that every time there's a new discovery, it's not as though that, that, that we're discovering this thing and it gets us further from God. It's we discover this thing and go, oh, that's how God did it. That's, that's how God did that. Oh, that's how God did that. Oh, we discovered this is how God fixed this thing. Now, there was a, a thought when I was a kid that when, when science met religion, it meant that, that the scientists, every time they would create something, they would disprove, or every time they would discover something, they would disprove that somebody created it which is just a stupid notion. It's like me saying the, the video projector up there, I can take it apart and find out how it was created, exactly know exactly how it was created. Well, if I knew exactly how that thing was created, it doesn't mean that nobody created it. It just means now I know whoever created this thing, how they made it. That's what Solomon is saying here, that God, if you start to pick things apart, you can look at life, and the older you get, you can look at life and say, God did that. This is how God did it. He says, the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom, now listen to this, if you didn't care about this, through wisdom, your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. Now, I think he meant that in a couple ways. This, the original language here has a, a hint of, um, of a little bit of a, an analogy, that years will be added to your life in terms of your happiness, in terms of your joy. It, you know, many of us would say, we wish we could have that time back. I wish I could have that back. I wish I could have that back. I wish I could have that moment in the hallway when my best friend in college said, you shouldn't marry this girl. Now, all that said, I'm real happy with the way my life has ended up. <laughs> and God has led me anyway. But I caused a lot of misery, and there was a lot of misery around me because I did not make the wise decision. What Solomon says here is that your, the value of your life, the joy, the the, the, uh, the excitement, the joy of your life will be added. But he also says that years will be added to your life. And you know what that means. We have seen in this community over and over and over the way bad choices, bad decisions have led to literal death 
in this community. And he says this, if you're wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you're wise, your wisdom will reward you. I know that some of you today, um, you probably already tuned me out, and that's okay, but I want to I tune you back in for just a second, especially if you're listening online and you're dealing with financial problems today. You need to know, I, I always preface this by saying I, I'm, this is a struggle that I am dealing with every day. I'm getting better financially, but I have made so many bad decisions in my life that I find myself near 40 years old and in a place where I still have to call my mommy and daddy every now and then. I can't tell you what that does to a man's ego. Well, I may not have to, some of you. You know, I've made so many bad choices in my life. I so seldom ask the question, what is the wise thing to do? And I just bought the TV or I just went out to eat. I so seldom ask the thing, what is the, the question, what is the wise thing to do? That now I have found myself in a place where I am, I am reaping what I've sown. Now, about five years ago, my wife and I had financial come to Jesus moment. Now, we had an IRS agent on our doorstep for our business. And things got real for us. And the consequences of me living my life without asking the question, what is wise financially, came to a head. And so now, five years later, I'm starting to find myself in a little bit better financial situation because I've started to make some of the right decisions. This is exactly what Solomon says. If you're dealing with this today financially, or in any place in your life, if you have these issues, now some of you don't have any great big decisions to make right now, but you have a decision right after church today. Where are you going to eat lunch? What are you going to do? Your car's falling apart. What are you going to do? Your house is kind of getting old. You're going to repaint it or are you going to buy a bigger one? And this is what we do in America. What Solomon says today is when it comes to the decisions in your life, whether it's financial, whether it's, whether it's about sex, whether it's about relationships, whether no matter what the question is, you reap what you sow. And if you don't know that today, if you don't know that today, then please listen to those around you who have been there. If you're wise, your wisdom will reward you. Now, this Solomon was an amazing man, and he had an amazing dad. Anybody remember who Solomon's dad was? David. Nobody said that real loud, so I thought I would just say it. Okay. David. David was Solomon's dad, and David was an amazing man. Did some awful things. Most amazing men do at some point in their life. Did some awful things. God ended up calling him. By the way, if you've made some awful mistakes in your life, um, you, David is a great man for you to look at because you, you want to make the right choices from here on out. God called David a man after his own heart. Towards the end of David's life, after David had made all the bad decisions that he had made and then come back to God, God said, you're a guy like me. Whoa. Now this David had said something to Solomon that Solomon, uh, Solomon had said to us. Next slide. So you saw Proverbs. That's what Solomon said. Here's what David said. Psalm 111, chapter 10, or chapter 111, 10 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Does that sound familiar? Solomon's a chip off the old block. Psalms were written by David, Solomon's dad. And all who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. All who follow the the regulations, the principles that guide life, all of those who seek the principles that guide life, 
Look what it says about it. Have good understanding. Uh, what I'd like for you to get from this series, I'd like for you to never forget this phrase. What is the wise thing to do? Now, I would love for you to remember, based on my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do. But realistically, you're just going to remember what is the wise thing for me to do. And find somebody in your life that has your best interest at heart and will tell you from their perspective and then have a relationship with the master, the master artist. To make the wise decisions in life requires not only asking the question, but being really ready to submit to it. Now, I'm almost done. Band, you guys can come up. I'm going to give you a chance today to do something that, I don't know, at least to me it's cool. Just at least pretend it is if you don't think it is this morning. But I, um, I, I know what, what happens to you when you walk out of here sometimes because it happens to me too. You commit yourself. You say, yeah, all right, I'm, I'm going to let the, the master painter help paint my canvas. I'm going, to make, I'm going to ask God to come alongside my life instead of trying to do this all by myself. And you, you walk out of here with a, with a paintbrush like this, you know, for your life. And you walk in with holding it real tight. Like, this is my paintbrush, my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. Especially if you're in high school today or you're, you're junior high, this is what you're doing. This is my life. And when you turn 18, you're going to grip even harder and your knuckles are going to turn white because this is what you've been waiting for your whole life. Nobody else is painting my picture. I'm painting my own picture. And let me tell you, that feeling doesn't go away. When you turn 20, when you turn 30, you grip even harder. I'm painting my picture. Nobody tells me what to do. And you grip, and you grip on your paintbrush for your life over and over and over. Then you come on a Sunday. And maybe the preacher says what God wants most from you, what you need most in your life, is to loosen your grip on your paintbrush. To say, hey God, I, I've, I've done this painting by myself so far. And I don't even recognize it. This is not what I meant to paint. I, this is not the way I wanted to live my life. This is not who I wanted to be. God, from here on out, no matter what is on my canvas from here on out, I am opening my hand and my paintbrush. What God wants from you and what, he, what you need is the unique life that you have, the unique perspective you have, combined with the hand of a master, God himself. So, I love you. I went and bought a bunch of paintbrushes. Went to the dollar store, so don't try to use them because they probably don't work. But what I'm hoping is that today, you will take a paintbrush. I hope I have enough here. Um, Jeff, can you pass some out over here? <laughs> you, don't, you don't want those, let me tell you. Kenny, can you pass these out over here? Just down the road somewhere. Just kind of pass them around and see what happens. Now, it, it's, as they go by your aisle today and you don't want one and you think this is stupid, please don't take one because I don't know if I have enough for everybody. I, I don't. And don't take one just to feel like you should take one today. If today you're going to say, hey, I, I'm ready to wake, make wise decisions. I'm tired of making decisions based on just what's in front of me. I want to make wise decisions. I want the hand of the master painter to guide my paintbrush. If, if, if you feel that way today, what I'd like for you to do is take one of these. I meant to take to keep one, but that's okay. And to, because some of you came in, yeah, I'll get back to you, Mary. Some of you came in like this, just, mm. I know it, I see it in your face. I mean, your face is just tense with this today. 
I, this is my life. God, you've got to fix my life. God, I, 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 all, this is a mess, and this is a mess, and this is a mess, and why isn't God fixing my life? And I don't know what the answer is to your life problems individually, but I know what you need, and I know what God wants. He wants you today to just loosen your grip, just to loosen your grip. And to be able to say this, God, I, I surrender. See, here's the thing. If he wanted to, he could just take this from you anytime. In fact, he, he does sometimes, and I don't understand why, and I'm not going to pretend I do. He takes our lives from us. And if he wanted to, he could take the paintbrush. He could guide you where he wants to without your will. But he has chosen, because he loves you so much, for you to say to him, God, I'm giving it back. So that's what I want you to do today. This is what God wants for you to do. He wants you to look and say, God, I surrender my control over the paintbrush. Would you guide my life today? So that's what I'm going to give you a chance to do. I'm going to be right back in that corner. Here, Mary, you can have this back. <laughs> and if you didn't get one, come see me. I'll go to the dollar store again. Um, that corner right back over there, I'm going, to be I'm going to be praying, and I would love to pray with you today. But the truth is the most important prayer you can pray today is you and God right now. We're going to sing a song that's been sung since Dean was going to homecoming. <laughs> this song is called I Surrender All. This song is called I Surrender All, and it's basically saying this, God, I know I have control. You've given me control over my life, but the only reason I even have anything in my life is because you've given it to me. You've allowed it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say back to God, I surrender. I'm giving this back to you. Would you guide me? Would you lead me? Would you guide me based on my past experience, based on my current circumstances, and based on my future hopes and dreams, God, guide me to do not what's just right. That's, this is better than that. Not just what might be good. That's better than that. What is wise? What is the right, wise thing for me to do? So this is just between you and God. You can sing this song. It's called I Surrender All. I'll be back there. I'd love to pray with you. Just between you and God today, would you surrender the control over your paintbrush? Loosen the grip on it today. Stand with us and sing.